Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruce Banana FC podcast where we've got a bit of an emergency episode, not for any reason that I guess we'd want to be recording an episode, unfortunately, but we've got the the news that's come out today from Mike Verwire, that's uh, the, the very trusted Ajax journalist, that Urian Timber on his first uh, Premier League game for Arsenal um, has potentially, and I think it is at this point in time, technically not 100%, but from what we're seeing, it looks like he's suffered an ACL injury. Um, also, kind of similar things coming out from Sammy Mukbell from the Daily Mail, James Benj from the from CBS, and Gunnar Blog from the Athletic. So it does feel like this is, at this point in time, quite widely reported and kind of accepted that he's not. We're not going to be seeing him for a while, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, Tom Canton from Football London got really good insight from uh, Dr. Raj Pal Bear from. Um, you can find my Twitter at FreeSB Performance or FreeCB Performance. Sorry who said the layoff time is quite largely linked to the severity of the injury, which is probably something that we <laughs> can assume, but there's apparently a grade three tear and some of the more severe grade two tears can require surgery. And that can typically be seven to nine months out. A grade one tear and a lower end grade two tear can potentially be three to six months if it does not require surgery. But obviously we've seen a lot of this kind of thing over the kind of recent seasons where like Tony Livramento where I think transfermarket.com has got his return date down to 353 days. So you're kind of looking at pretty much a year for him to, to get over this. So this isn't an injury that you can confidently assess timelines because it's definitely, definitely not linear. And also we've seen just recently, like Buendia and Mings from Villa, ACL injuries, Courtois and Militao from Real Madrid, ACL injuries. So firstly, I'm going to come to you, Drew. I'm also, I'm going to introduce everyone else later. First, I'm going to come to you, Drew. And I want to ask you, um, just as you're kind of off the cuffing, because you've spoken to Tom Canton, who wrote this article and got the insight. What kind of timeline do you think we should be looking at? And what is the reaction to this, do you think? I think the reaction could be, I guess it's in two parts. One is, you know, when I I spoke with Tom, um, who is a good friend of mine, so it's not just like I need to strike lucky. (laughs) So thankfully, we kind of have an insight with with FL with that. He kind of is a feeling that like, at worst, it's seven to nine months, but you know, obviously with ACL, it's tricky because sometimes uh, for players in, in good recovery standing, they can come back earlier than the prescribed kind of sort of recovery window. But typically, given with ACLs, you have to be really careful because there's such a, an instance of a, a recurring issues post an ACL problem. Um, and given a sport where um, you're so reliant on your knees, that's kind of the worry at the moment. So while it may not necessarily end up being seven, eight, or nine months, it could maybe, if we're lucky somehow, it could be four or five, and maybe we get Timber back at the tail end of the season, or at least just shade under halfway through or over halfway through. I think for me, the initial reaction has got to be you have to just wrap them up and just focus on recovery. There's no need to rush Timber back. I think it's kind of the, the, the insight I got from Tom is just we, we do have depth already, which is great. Um, and no one had expected Timber to play at left-back anyway. And when, thankfully, Zinchenko goes close to recovery and coming back into the team. So that's definitely helpful. And we definitely have options at right-back as well with, with Benjamin White and uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu. So um, I don't think there's the need to necessarily panic. I think it's just more of just like 
it's just such luck, isn't it? You know, he's he was so good in preseason. He was excellent against City in the Community Shield. Um, he looked lively, you know, against Torres as well. And then just a, a stroke of right bad luck. And we've seen so many Arsenal players in the past, young and talented, have issues that just a lot of them never recovered from. You know, uh, Diaby is another one, apart from Wilshere, who um, we all kind of cling to it with, with it with that example. I think that's the first bit of it. Second bit of it is um, there is a feeling that we could still move in the market for a player, be, even before the timber injury. Um, I don't know how much I can say because I don't know if, how long to say, but but like there's a, we we might be going in for a right back. So I think there there was a suggestion that we were looking at a right back even before timber did go down injured. So I don't think the plans changed necessarily. I don't think we're going to be seeing Partey play at right back very often if, if that's the case. So the club still has its plans. I think that's that's really good. You know, I but I don't think. So just watch out for kind of like for the timeline. If we go out and sign the players, you know, fans might think we're just being reactionary, whereas it does appear we've been linked with the interest previously. So um, overall, it's really unfortunate, and it's a player who we were all so excited to see. We, we gushed over, you know, in previous podcasts. There's been a lot of analysis around him during his time at I actually with the Dutch national team. It's unfortunate because he was, I think, primed to play a really key role for us, not just as an understudy to, to Sinchenko, but I do think he's going to push for real minutes. So I'm just curious now to see how we kind of recover in terms of, you know, t- tactical for me is kind of my question. But I think overall we have to hope for the best, but it's not something we can push. I think if, if the window seven to nine months, like kind of like Nate said in the chat earlier on Twitter, make it nine months, make sure he's fully recovered, don't rush. It's not something you want to play around with and just take it from there. Okay, so we're also joined by Ben and we're joined by Varun. Guys, now that we've got, I guess the information segment of the way, like we've kind of summarized all of the this terrible situation we've got. The first thing I want to hear from both of you, and I'm going to go Ben first and Varun, I want one word to summarize your current feelings towards this. So start with you, Ben. Downhearted. Well, oh, that's they even sounded sad. Varun? Sympathetic for all that how we're feeling. I can't even imagine how he's feeling right now. Yeah, he's just he's so unlucky, isn't he? Is the fact that amazing preseason. Um it just like Arteta was gushing about him when he was talking about him, just how well he settled into the team. Right back, um went in as at essentially left back, left centre back in the first game of the season. It just it felt like and, and even on this pod, like the last maybe like two or three episodes, we've been gushing about him and talking about how big a sign this is for the club and how much he's gonna help us this season. So I guess firstly I'm gonna come to you, Ben. Generally, we're in a position now where we signed what felt like a kind of a Swiss army knife in, in our build-up. And now potentially we're not going to see him for possibly the majority of the season, maybe all the season. Do you think the club has to act to this in the transfer market? Or do you think that we have internal options and ways we can shake things up to survive it that way? I think the club probably has to react one way or another. I mean, I put I put on Twitter earlier about how I thought there could be a a solution of maybe moving Thomas Party to right back more often and bring in a central midfielder because the last thing you want to do really is bring in a player for the sake of bringing in a player, um, you know, and then nine months Timbers back and you've got two players that are fighting out for one spot or three players with Zinchenko in there. So it might be a case that we move some people around and bring in other, tar- accelerate other targets. Um, and that was the first one that sort of popped into my mind. But I think that at the moment we've got 
Zinchenko and Tomiyasu on that left-hand side, both of whom are injury-prone or have been shown to be injury-prone during their time here. We've got Kivior, who's not really that experienced in that position and also provides cover for Gabriel. And then the only real fullback that we have that's regularly fit and in Arteta's plans, so not Cedric, is uh, Ben White. So I think we need to do something to strengthen in that area between now and the end of the window. As Drew said, it might have already been the case that we were going to do something. Um, but it does feel like we're now... Tim Timber felt like he was the perfect option because he wasn't often injured, and now he's injured. So and, and and not injured for a short period of time, injured for sort of you know six to nine months. So it feels like we do need to bring someone in either on loan with an option to buy or um or like permanently. And then I think also the the other argument is keeping Tierney. Personally, you know, I don't see any um, common sense behind that, but. I can see why people might want to keep him just for the sake of numbers. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm right in saying what I saw earlier was that since 2020 Timber has had seven games out injured. <laughs> One league game out for Arsenal instantly potentially out for the season, so yeah, classic. It feels like we've well, that's, that's we've, just Arsenal, isn't it? Like we've had say, the same with Declan Rice. We've had read the same with before. Yeah, Tommy Assis and Chenko. Let's not jinx that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it does pose a problem. And we're not going to go too in depth on this because we have um, um, our Palace podcast kind of later this week, um, which I think is. uh, is, I mean, I can announce the guest now, to be fair. We're very, very lucky that we're going to be joined by HLTCO um, for our Palace preview podcast that we can be recording on Wednesday and it probably will be out on Wednesday evening as well, possibly Thursday morning. Um, so I'm not going to go too in-depth on it, but Varun, it does it poses a problem for us in terms of obviously the Palace game because uh, Palace away tends to be a very physical game. It's one of the tougher away games in the league. In terms of replacement for this, like, um, you know, you're looking at Kiwio, you're looking at Tierney, like maybe we brush back Zinchenko. What would you think that we have to pivot to in the short term to try and you know kind of get our footing back after taking up this blow? The the concern for me, like Ben's mentioned and like you mentioned, is that Sinchenko has carried an injury or two uh, during the one year he's been with us so far. So I'm not really of the opinion that we should be rushing him back. Um, I've heard that he's completely injury free now, but obviously he did miss preseason. So for me, while it would have been ideal to just slot Zinchenko in there, I'm kind of tempted that we either go with Kivior or Tomiyasu at left back. I think Tomiyasu can do the job. And because he didn't get a consistent run of games for us last season, I think a lot of us have forgotten how solid he can be. Um, I, I Especially me, because I've got to mention him in my list. It, well, I, I mean, I almost haven't thought of him as a left-back because the one standard game I remember last season was Liverpool at home when he he actually really, really handled Salah very well. So he does have that ability in him and I think Tomiyasu is a better option for us to play the way Arteta wants us to play uh, compared to Tierney as an option there. Obviously, Zinchenko or Timber would have been ideal. Timber not looking at all possible right now. I wouldn't rush Zinchenko back. I think give him another week and then he can start the match afterwards. Um, So for me, it's probably Tomiyasu. That way, Kivior remains decent backup for the left-back spot if we need it or the left-center-back spot. 
and that way we still have our regular options that we can play. I would expect to see Gabriel and Saliba as the centre-back partnership again. Ben White can hold right back again. He's used to it now and he's quite comfortable with it. I think I'd go with Tamiyasu. Yeah, I can see logic in that, to be fair. I think we saw at points in pre-season where it looked like Tomiyasu was definitely a legitimate option, a left-back for Arteta. I think one of the problems comes with, it just feels like over the last 12 months, we've seen Arteta's system evolve. And as much as it's changed, it always feels like it needs that kind of unicorn of a player in the system. And we had that last season at points for Zinchenko. And then when we lost Zinchenko, it did seem like we lost something really, really valuable. And then in the summer, we signed Timber and it feels like, okay, brilliant. Now we've kind of got two players that can fill that spectrum of, of a player that Arteta needs to kind of come as, as that central player. Obviously, Thomas Partey technically played right back coming in central midfield against Forrest. Can he kind of do that job in, in the uh, in the meantime? Um, I think if, you, if you're asking my opinion, I'd be inclined to agree with what Ben said earlier. I, I think that it may be the case that Thomas Partey plays a little bit more right back than maybe we planned for, not like indefinitely, but just more so than planned for. And then maybe we kind of reroute a bit of money into signing another uh, central midfielder, which we've been speculated to buy anyway. Um, but, you know, I think that it's so much still up in the air. I think we'll know more in the next few days. Uh, Drew, so earlier on in the intro, I kind of mentioned names like Buendia, like Ings, Courtois, Militao. All of these players are that have got early um, ACL injuries into the season. Now, in your opinion, is there a correlation here? Is this down to lack of enough pre-season? Is this down to traveling during pre-season? Um, and do you think this could be exacerbated by the fact that we're potentially going to be seeing a lot more at a time? No, I think there's definitely a correlation because injuries like ACL, MCL are usually like wear and tear injuries. Um, then I usually contact... Um, so that that's the, the direct correlation between those, uh, the increase in those, and the amount of uh, matches that players are expected to play. You know, if you're a senior international for you know a major national team, say you know England, for example, you know you have Nations League, you have you know World, World Cup or European qualifying, you've, and typically if you're in the bigger side as well, then you're also looking at you know two domestic cup competitions, Premier League, and then a European competition as well. So you're it's over sixty matches every season. Is, is quite a bit. And, um, you know, there's obviously there's other sports in the world where you play two or three games a week, sometimes four. You know, if, if you're playing professional hockey in the NHL, you play you know, three games a week. Um, but the NHL season is also much shorter. Um, so it's it's just so tricky, right? But I do think there's, there's, there's going to be an increase now in those injuries unless, you know, the powers that be kind of want to actually focus on players instead of money, but we all know what the answer to that question is going to be maximize profit where you can, right? And we're already looking at you know, UEFA and FIFA and other federations adding on more matches for, you know, whether if it's in preseason or other international competitions or talking about, um, you know, holding uh, holding major competitions in other countries, which is going to increase travel, which reduces rest and recovery time. It's just, it's, it's too much for me. Um, and it's unfortunate because... You know, institutions like FIFA and like UEFA and the other federations, it's their job to sort of have players' welfare you know, at, at the heart of it for the sport. If, if for me, you know, if they're worried about making money, you want to have all your, all your best players and your star players constantly fit. And if those players aren't constantly fit, 
fans are going to want to necessarily potentially always watch teams that those players aren't featuring, right? So there's an adverse effect as well if they're so worried about money. It's actually in their best interest to protect players, to make sure all the best players are constantly fit and available for competitions. That actually will help them even more. So it, it just kind of kind of goes against the grain about what they're trying to achieve, I think. But just overall, just it's unfortunate because, you know, I suffered quite a few injuries in my playing days. And, and given, the time, given as long as I've coached, I've seen quite a few injuries as a coach as well. And they can be really devastating for players, not just in terms of the recovery time and how that affects them mentally, but also moving forward. If, if players suffer a long-term injury that has long-term adverse effects to them physically, that can also affect their mental health as well. I know that some people might not see that correlation, but there is 100% a correlation for a lot of players who who pour literally their, almost their entire lives into a profession. One serious injury can literally ruin that career. It can literally ruin a decade, 15 years of work to get to that point for one injury. And the fact that they're not being protected nearly enough is, for me, a, a massive problem. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see it continue, and, and it makes me quite sad, to be honest. Just before we go, Ben, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to ask you, when you kind of have that in mind, that, that and whether or not we know the reason for it, we're not sure. But obviously, we can see that a lot of players are getting injured right now. So when you look at this Arsenal team, and you see Tomiyasu, and you see Tierney, and it feels like you could probably name a fair few of these players that have a reputation to be injured, that, does it worry you that that when players like, like Timber that are previously have a reputation for not being injured or getting injured, uh, does it worry you about these players that we're going to see possibly more injuries come um, over the next few weeks, months? Well, I think if we see more injuries to them, then um, then we've got serious problems because they're already pretty injury prone. But um, I think that, yeah, it's, it's it's always a worry for all of the players. I think you can only echo what Drew says. You know, there's a serious issue with how much football is played. And you've had, you've had Rodri come out and say, you've had Varane come out and say, we had Declan Rice say it last year. There's so much football and they're always expected to be at their best. And because of the way football fans are and how much rise in every game, if they're not at their best, you see, you know, abuse on social media or, you know, anything else. And it just, the the pressure both physically and mentally is much more than it has ever been. And I think that we are going to see a lot more injuries, um, especially with the way that they condensed everything into the, into last season to get the World Cup in as well. I think maybe we, there might be a small knock-on effect there from, um, you know, coming off uh, for like two weeks and then going straight back to pre-season and, and then going straight back into another season. I think that we are in danger of seeing a lot of the players that we really like have serious injuries. And you've got to hope that it doesn't happen to the players that you like or, you know, that you support. But at the same time, you know, seeing them happen to, seeing Tyrone Mings' injury or seeing Edda Militao limp out of action is just, heartbreaking to see from a football perspective because when you watch a game of football you want it to be their best 11 versus your best 11 um and i I think we're going to see that probably less and less this season because of how much football is being played and going forward with the ex champions league games and um you've already seen like klopp throwing away the carabao cup and playing the youth team i wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that we obviously wenger used to do that as well um it's just becoming much more difficult for managers to manage their squads. So I think you're absolutely bang on. And I think one of the big kind of narratives I see in a lot of the opinion online is they're paid millions of pounds. They should be able to play X amount of games. But I think what really isn't considered is that, yeah, more games sounds great on the surface, but it's diluting the product to a point where, as you say, 
we're not going to see the best of these guys because you can't play it the best three times a week. And it's impossible to say to these teams that have got so much pressure on them because they, they, you lose a few games, you lose your job. You lose a few games, you lose your spot. Like you may lose your next contract. So it's it's easy to say, well, you know, you've got millions of pounds, rotate your squad more. But at the end of the day, when, when you're in a, a kind of spectrum of football where winning is everything and you've got to pick up as many points as you can because it can save your livelihood and the livelihoods of those around you, then it's hard to rotate because you need to put the team on the pitch that's going to get the result for you. And sometimes at this point, you know, when players are knackered every week, then sometimes that result is going to be boring because people aren't going to be able to put in the ridiculous amount of high intensity sprints it takes to play a Premier League game. Can can you imagine if if like we'd rotated Rob Holding in for five or six more games during the course of the season last season and you know we'd be Arteta had been asked where Saliba was and he was like oh he's he's played too much football we have to manage his minutes and whatnot there'd probably be a riot there'd be people asking if he's okay why he can't play every three days or whatever the, the expectation we have is that they can play every three days because that's what we've become used to but I think there is a serious issue with how much more football is being played that you know we need to take care of the players even if they are earning millions of pounds because the millions of pounds don't correlate to you know biologically stronger knees it might give them more better treatment but it won't give them you know they're not superhumans at the end of the day yeah and i think that's probably a good place to leave it we've all had our little kind of cry together our kumbaya moment where kind of you know realistically we're not going to be seeing tim for a while and that's a shame because he looks like a really really special player but fingers crossed we get good news in the next couple of days and it's not quite as bad as we think. Um, as I said earlier, I'm very lucky that on our um, Palace preview podcast, which I say is going to be recorded on Wednesday, we're going to have the the fantastic HLTCO come on to give the Palace perspective. So please uh, tune into that when it's up. Um, I've been joined by Drew, Ben and Varun. My name's Luke and thanks very much for listening to <laughs> Uh, a very sad emergency episode of the Bruised Banana FC podcast. Erdegaard is joining in and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka 